0: Turn with me to Hosea chapter 1, if you would, please. And um, in these Bibles, it's page 625, Hosea 1, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 11. As we continue to talk about real love, how real love acts Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Then Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Loruamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah and I will save them. Not by bow, sword or battle or by horses or horsemen, but I the Lord their God will save them. And after she had weaned Lo Ruam, Gomer had another son, and the Lord said, Call him Loami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Verse 10 Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. Let's pray. Father, I... I ask that just the the next few minutes that we look at your word together and and these words in Hosea that, Father, you would really stir our hearts and open our eyes and draw out our love that we might love you, that we might love as you really do desire us to and long us to as you love us. So Father, please open our eyes to real love in a fresh way this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, in in Moulin Rouge, a it, it's a Hosea-ish kind of portrayal of love. <laughs> Ewan McGregor says, he exclaims, love is a many-splendored thing. Um, Leonard Ravenhill kind of says, love is blind. Marriage is the eye-opener. You like that? I like that. <laughs> love is blind. Marriage is the eye-opener. You could talk to my wife and she'd say, yeah, amen to that. Um So this morning, as we continue in Isaiah, it's really for a powerful understanding of what real love, real commitment is from God's standpoint. And kind of the theme verse that we're carrying throughout these five weeks is this in in, in Hosea 6-4, and it's powerful, and it's full of emotion, and and, and it really helps us to grasp where we're moving this morning, and, and this is it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it a little bit where God says, what am I to do with you, Israel? What am I to do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. What, what am I to do with you? Uh, do you? You get the emotion? These are God's words. The, the emotion that God is wrestling with as God Is facing Israel's unfaithfulness, his people's unfaithfulness. And as we look at Hosea this morning, I'd like us to ask ourselves could these words describe our relationship with God? Could these words describe God's struggle with us as his people? the question that we're really going to be looking at this morning is, what should God do? As God is wrestling with his people's unfaithfulness, how should real love respond to unfaithfulness, flagrant, repeated unfaithfulness? How should real love respond these are hard questions. I mean, it's, Daniel was very generous in giving me this, this, this sermon to preach. Um, a little farther, sorry. These are hard words. They're hard questions. And, and I think a lot of it is because I think it's too easy for us, myself included, to have an impersonal view of God that hinders us from our relationship with him and the relationship that he intends for us to have with him. Um, It's almost like we regard or treat God like he's nothing more at times than an idea, right? Or a theological concept, truth. Um, Rather than a person, a real person who intensely loves and longs to be in relationship with us. And therefore. Legitimately reacts strongly. When we don't love him back. As he loves us. And so for a hard look. A real look at God's love. We come to Hosea. And, and, and honestly it's a wonderful antidote to the the shallow love that is so often displayed before us, right? On TV and in movies um, today. So just to come pick up in Hosea chapter 1 here and the story where it started last week. The story started with God, as as we read here, instructing Hosea to marry Gomer as an object lesson for his people to understand how much he loves them, okay? Okay. But I want you to understand that even though God arranged, you know, this marriage and, and instructed Hosea to marry Gomer, that this is a real marriage. It's, it's um, and I also want to just let you know up front, we don't provide this service in case you were wondering. Um, but this is a real marriage. And the expectation is that Hosea will love and loves Gomer as much as God loves his people and that the people will see this as as Hosea loves Gomer, that the people of Israel will see through his love for Gomer God's love for them despite, and this is the second part of the story, despite their adultery, their spiritual adultery, despite their unfaithfulness, that God has Hosea marry an adulterous or a promiscuous woman for this very reason to reveal to Israel their unfaithfulness to him and yet at the same time how much he loves them and how it impacts him. And and as I've read this and studied this, it's impacted me. I mean, how little God's, my sin and my unfaithfulness impacts God And, and that's what we need to see here. I mean, we could say, Wow, Hosea, I mean, he was quite a guy I 'm glad that I 'm not Hosea. <laughs> um, what God called the Old Testament prophets to do, um, incredible. Um, but the real impact for us I want is, to say, it, is not to say, "Wow, Hosea, what a guy, but God, what a God that's the picture here. God, what a God. Um, But this is where the problem comes in, and and this is what I want us to get. In our thinking so often about unconditional love, and and the Bible speaks and speaks and speaks about unconditional love, but I believe what we're coming to in Hosea and what is so healthy and good about this, this passage this morning is that in our thinking so often about unconditional love, stay with me, okay? that in our thinking about it, we often think that it means that we can do whatever, whenever, and God just puts up with it and says, it's okay, I still love you. Okay, you still with me? Still with me? But notice that the next part of the story is, as we read here, and I'm going to read it again, just... just that we get the impact. Notice, coming to verse 4, God calls, says, call your first son Jezreel, and Jezreel means God scatters, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu. We keep reading, I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. We come down a little bit further, I will no longer show love to Israel. A little bit further, call him Lo Ami, not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Rejection. And that's why the, 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 the title of the sermon I put is Real Love, get this, Real Love Rejects. That's a strong phrase. <laughs> Stay with me, Okay. Real love rejects. It's like God comes to this point, and it's very intentional where he says, I'm done with you. I've had enough. But, but I, what I want us to struggle with this morning is, how can God do that? And why does God do that? Whatever happened to unconditional love and faithful love and what does all of this tell us about God and how he responds to our unfaithfulness? Because every one of us here this morning at one time or another or maybe right now has been unfaithful, right? How does God respond to that? What does it tell us about God? Okay? That's our task this morning. You haven't turned me off, have you? Okay. We're going to look at five things about God the first one is, what this tells us about God and how he responds to our unfaithfulness is, number one, it tells us that God is a real person. you get that? God is a real person. He speaks. Do you, do you see that here? The Lord said to Isaiah, Hosea, excuse me, and I think so often we, we think of We think of God speaking as words on a page, but we don't think it as a real person actually communicating to us. And what we have got to get and what God wants to communicate here is that God is a real person, and he wants us to see his reality in this story through the object lesson of Hosea and Gomer. By the real life object lesson, God is telling us, I'm a real person also. And this is a real relationship. He isn't just theological information or biblical truth. God is a real living person. Do you see him as that? Do you see God as a real person? Just like the person you're sitting next to, he's that real, he's living. God is a real person. That's the starting point. The second thing is that God's love is a real love. Remember, this isn't TV love, purely sensual. And this is kind of how I see what happens. It's I see you, I fall in love with you, whatever that means. I have sex with you, right? That, this isn't that love. Just to give you an, an illustration, or kind of a history of where we come to with Hosea, back at the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai, around Exodus chapter 20, God entered into an old covenant relationship with his people. He gave them the law. And he, he said, you are my special people. I'm committed to you. You belong to me. And your mind got entered into that old covenant relationship with them. When Jesus was meeting with his disciples at the Last Supper, just before he went to the cross, just like we're going to do after the sermon here this morning, as we have the bread and we have the cup, in remembrance of Jesus' body and Jesus' blood broken for us and shed for us. At that last supper, Jesus took the bread and then he took the cup. And when he took the cup, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. And was an illustration of the new relationship that he entered into us by grace through his shed blood on the cross, which paid for our sins and opened up a way into the holy of holies and into relationship with God Himself. A new covenant, a covenant relationship. God's love is a real love, and as, as Daniel shared last week, it's a covenant relationship, it's a committed relationship. It's like marriage. It's, it's one that, that is to involve our whole beings, every part of us, to where we say, I promise, I will. And that is why in Hosea and, and other books of the Bible, God compares unfaithfulness in our relationship with him to adultery. And uh, just to give you an example, um, in the book of James, if you want to turn there or I'll read it. James chapter 4, verse 4. Listen to God speaking. He says, "You adulterous people." There's that same word. He said, "Don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God." Those are pretty, pretty sobering words. So the the question here is: God takes love seriously. Do we? First one, God is a real person. Do we see him as that? Or just some kind of theological concept? Number two, God's love is a real love. God (laughs) takes love seriously. Do we? Do we take our love relationship with God seriously? Number three, God's hurt is a real hurt. God's hurt is a real hurt. Remember, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, God says, what am I to do with you? Do we have any idea how our sin impacts God? (coughs) Or do we care? Do we not realize that God has jealousy? In in Exodus chapter 20, as God is giving the, the Ten Commandments, he said, I'm a jealous God. And, and, and jealousy can be a bad thing, but, but true jealousy is a good thing. I'm jealous of my wife if some guy's making a move on her. That's good jealousy, and God is jealous. I'm jealous right now for a young man that got out of jail on Friday. And I visited him dozens of times while he was in there prayed with him, read the Bible, sent in Bible studies, had amazing conversations, met with him on Friday. When he got out, he was supposed to move in with us and live with us. This is after several times of being in and out of jail and visiting him, pouring our lives into him. He was supposed to move in with us Friday night. Last time I've seen him was Friday at 2.30. And I understand this real hurt because my heart since 2.30 on Friday has just been wrenched and has just been twisted over this young man that I poured hundreds and hundreds of hours into as I've loved him and seen him come to Christ and baptized him and, and yet seen the stranglehold that meth, that sin has on him and... Uh, And I have no idea where he is. Do we not realize that God has real jealousy, real anger, real emotion, real pain? Listen to these words in Hosea 11. A little bit farther on, they're they're powerful words. Hosea chapter 11, verse 8 God says, How can I give you up, Israel? How can I hand you over? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboiim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. That's God. God's hurt is a real hurt. Number four. Well, let let me just ask you a question before we move on. Do we live as if our... Our sin and our unfaithfulness is no big deal. Do we have any idea how it hurts God? Number four, our sin is real wrong that needs to be dealt with. And the book of Hosea demonstrates that as good as anything. The sinfulness of sin, I call it. The horribleness of sin, the ugliness of sin, because, because sin destroys it separates, it shatters, it doesn 't satisfy, it wreaks havoc, it breaks relationships between people and, and, and our relationship between us and God. Sin is real wrong that must be dealt with. Let me just give you just a glimpse in, in Hosea. And you could read many more examples. In Hosea chapter 7, verse 2, it says, They practice deceit, thieves break into houses, bandits rob in the streets, but they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them, they are always before me. Or if we were to go to Hosea chapter chapter 9, verse 7, is another illustration. It says, The days of punishment are coming... The days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this because your sins are so many. Your hostility is so great. We could go on and on. Our sin is real wrong that needs to be dealt with. God is jealous and loving and will not and cannot just ignore the other ignore sin and look the other way and say oh oh, that's okay because of the sinfulness of sin and what it does in our lives and in our relationships do we see sin as god sees sin that's the question or is sin still for us something that's still just alluring and attractive and we think that God's the bad one for wanting to deal with sin do we see sin as what it is the sinfulness the horribleness the destructiveness sin separates sin destroys and so love this is this is the hard part as i as i think about my friend the young man that i was describing for you that love lets someone experience the consequences of their sin. It doesn't always seek to protect them. It's one of the worst things that we can do if we really love someone is, is to try and protect or keep them from the consequences of their sin. So they see the sinfulness of sin, the ugliness of sin, the horribleness of sin, the destructiveness of sin in order to see them led to repentance in real life. That's the point. Leaving someone in their sin, loving them and, and, and okaying and, and, and condoning and compromising isn't love because that doesn't lead to repentance in real life, which is the last thing. God's real reason for rejecting his people. If you've hung with me this long, I'm sure you're glad to get a little breather here at the end. I'm just going to give you a glimpse as where we're going to lead the next few weeks. But not only is God a real person, is God's love a real love, is God's hurt a real heart, because sin is a real wrong, but God has a real reason for the words that we see in Hosea, I'm done with you, is because God's real reason for punishing sin and rejecting his people, this is what you've been waiting for, is to lead them to repentance in order to lead them to restoration. That's what true love does. It doesn't okay, doesn't compromise, doesn't condone thinking that's love, but it lets people go, experience the consequences of their sin, even seen as rejecting them. And I've experienced some hurtful things by taking this stand. Only to have people come back and say thank you. Because it's exactly what I needed. To be led to repentance and true restoration. It is a rejection leading to repentance. Leading to restoration. It's not merely. And, and we see this in Hosea. If you, if, you, if you notice as, as God says I'm done with you. I'm, I'm not going to love you anymore. You're no longer my people. We come to verse 10 and it says yet the israelites will be like the sand on the seashore and the people who were called not my people will be called the people of the living god that's the point is to lead to real life it's not merely i'm done with you it is this is going to hurt both you and me but I will do whatever it takes to get you back. Do you get that? This is going to hurt really bad. and I've said that to my kids, you know. <laughs> this, hurts, this hurts me more than it. They don't believe that, right? <laughs> but I will do whatever it takes to get you back. Listen to just one more passage in Hosea that I think captures it beautifully. Starting Hosea chapter 5, verse 14. Listen. God says, I will be like a lion to Ephraim. And that's not a, you know, it's not a pussycat. That's a lion, okay? I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces and go away. Those are hard words. I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. Those are hard words. Then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Just to give you a, just a, a New Testament illustration of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a situation at the church of Corinth with, where a young man is with his father's wife. It's like Hosea. Or worse. They're all, yeah. Listen to this, though. This is Paul. And it brings us to the conclusion here. He says, It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. And are you proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and, and, and have put him out of, your, out of fellowship? The man who has been doing that? Not condoning it or saying, Well, you know, God loves you anyway. for my part even though i am not physically present i am with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this way i have already passed judgment in the name of our lord jesus on the one who has been doing this so when you are assembled and i with you in spirit and the power of our lord jesus is present this is the point hand this man over to satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And to put that in simple English what Paul is saying is let him turn him over to the consequences of his sin so that he will be brought to repentance and restoration and that is exactly what we see happen in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 we see that man repentant and restored. And Paul is saying, welcome him back into fellowship. Forgive him. But the only way that can happen is if they would be willing to reject him, to let him go, to experience the sinfulness of sin, the consequences of, so that he could truly be brought back to repentance and restoration and life. That's what we want, isn't it? Life, not just some kind of shallow, everybody, you know, let's love one another. But everything's horrible and broken and bleeding. God takes love seriously. One more, pass, one more verse in Hebrews, and then I'm done. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 and verse 11. Notice it says, The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. I mean, it's not not nice to read what we read in Hosea, is it? God says, I'm done with you? As he's turn inside out over his love for these people that have rejected him. It says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Isn't that what we want? Our lives to be lives that are in right relationship with God. Lives of righteousness. Lives that are in harmony and reconciled to God and with one another because we've been trained, because we've been. We've been maybe put through the, the ringer of God's uh, discipline in order to bring us to repentance and restore us to life. God takes love seriously. If you, if you get one thing out of this, it's God takes love seriously seriously and as a result god takes sin seriously because sin sabotages love so what are we going to do in light of what we've learned three things just like number 1 we in in, in In seeing this story, we should, number one, we should revel in the intensity of God's love for us. (laughs) How much He loves us. It's not just a shallow love. I love you. Oh yeah, do your thing. You know, and I still love you. The intensity of God's love for us. He's a lover. We say, God, how you love. Number two, we need, to, we need to look at our lives. We need to evaluate our lives and we need to repent of our unfaithfulness. We need to turn from it. We need to understand that if we're unfaithful, if we're here this morning and, and we're unfaithful to God, we know we're living a life that is unfaithful to him. That he's our lover, and we need to turn from. We need to understand how it hurts God, how it's wreaking havoc in our relationship, and how it's destroying us and separating us from him and separating us from all. We need to repent of our unfaithfulness, and I think some of us this morning we need to we need to get serious with God, and we need to say, God, I'm sorry. I've hurt you. I'm sorry, God. Forgive me. I repent of that, and we need to be so we can be restored. And number three, we need to commit ourselves afresh to a real relationship with God. A real love relationship with God. Not just, not, just, not just an intellectual thing, not just a theoretical thing, but a real relationship with God. And so I'd like to invite you. I'm going to close in prayer. and I'm just going to give just a few moments just for you to just to ponder yourself. Ponder God's love, the intensity of his love how he loves you and how he longs for a relationship with you. And and consider yourself before God. And if this wouldn't be a good time just to begin the process of saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been unfaithful. And to afresh commit yourself to love him as he loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the lover that you are. I think of the words too. Um, I, a little chorus. Oh, oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you. You gave he. You gave your life. What more could you give? Oh, how you love us, Father. Father, open our eyes. I pray. Uh, the intensity of your love for us and Father reveal our hearts reveal our unfaithfulness Father reveal us to ourselves so that Father we can open up our hearts to you and and turn them back over to you and, 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 and see them changed by you Father that that we might enjoy the love relationship in all of its glory and all of its fullness that you intend for us to have with you. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Uh, Just continue to capture our hearts, I pray, that we might be lovers of you. In Jesus' name, amen.